Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. Wow, you know, we have got a very, very cool show for everyone tonight. I am so thrilled that we get to come to you each and every week, and I want to make sure that everyone out there has the information about our show. We are not only launching a number of different website interfaces, which means we're going to have a different look and a lot more things to offer, but we're launching Dr. Pat's Holistic Makeover. You're going to have lots of information about that. And so for more information about the Dr. Pat Show, about me, your host, Dr. Pat Basile, go to our website, www.thedrpatshow.com, and check it out. I also want to mention we've gotten, I can't tell you how many emails have come in about uh, signing up for a newsletter, and it's true, absolutely, each month, we're going to be selecting one of you that is part of our newsletter uh, group or team, and we're going to give you either an iPod or an HD radio, either one. And your iPod will absolutely be loaded up with uh, the best of Dr. Pat. Nick is working on that. So, you know, we've listened to just about everything that you've asked us for. Please make sure you go to the website and, uh, you know, step in and take the survey that we're asking about so we can keep bringing you the best programming we do. I want to introduce you to someone tonight uh, and someone that has a story to tell that is really unlike any, any that I have heard before. Now, most of you know I've done close to 2,000 interviews in a really short period of time. So when I say that, I say that with absolute honestly, uh, honesty. I have got uh, my guest tonight is Ross Dale. He's joining me here today. You are going to get to hear a story, a story about his personal journey. He is the author of the book uh, Embedded. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, you know, here we have this, you know, this graduate of prep school uh, uh, extraordinaire, you know, working at the E, True Hollywood Stories. He got an incredible job. Uh, that he would serve as producer for Playboys, TV, sex, etc., and you know, and and much more. So, can you imagine being in his place? Can you imagine being prep school grad turned Playboy producer? And what it would be like to kind of get in his head, get in his heart, find out what this was like for him. What is his personal journey like? You know, how is he able to switch? you know, between this absolutely cool prep guy to this other really cool Playboy producer guy. You know, we're going to get to see if this is really two people, one people. Who is he? He's joining us here today. We've got lots to talk about. Ross Dale, the author of Embedded. Hey, Ross, thank you so much for joining us here tonight. Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Patton. Thanks for that intro. I, I, I want to read the book after you said all that. Great. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, I, you know, I read information about you and also uh, read most of the book. 
And I, I looked at your picture. I went to the website, and you know, for those of you that are wondering, what the heck is the website, Pat? EmbeddedTheBook.com. And I looked at your picture, and I thought, what a fascinating journey this guy must have had. <laughs> you know, I, let me let me take a step back and ask you this question. You know, that I ask everyone, Ross. And the question is, you know, given your journey, all that you've done. What are some of the challenges? What are some of the obstacles you've had to overcome to bring you to this very moment? Wow. Um, well, I guess, I mean, with, with working for the Playboy show, it was, um, I guess, kind of getting over the fact of what I was doing. I mean, I, for, you know, I'd never, you know, watched any porn before, so it took me a little while to be able to be in the room with it. Um, and I just didn't really know what I was getting into. Um, you know, I didn't know what was behind that green door, so to speak, you know. And um, so it took me a while to kind of get acclimated to that and just, um, you know, realize this is business as usual. But I've, I'm sure some of that comes with taking any any new job. There's that kind of a challenge. Um, but I was definitely a little more afraid of it uh, than, um, you know, than most jobs, I suppose. Um, and then just, you know, being able to deal with, you know, the people and not, I don't know, it, 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 just being able to just, Get used to another world, I guess. I mean, really. Exactly. I mean, you know, here you are, you know, and, and we could certainly get online and we could look at, you know, what does it mean to have the uh, confessions of a TV sex journalist? You know, what does that look like? But behind all of that, there's this guy. His name is Ross Sale. You know, here's this person that has been writing and producing television for, you know, over a decade, born in, you know, my hometown, New York City. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, and here you are, you get this opportunity. And now you have to share this opportunity with probably your parents, your friends, and everybody on the planet. I mean, how were you able to sort of process this? Yeah, it was hard. The hardest thing was, you know, coming back to your, like you say, your friends and family. And, I mean, my mom's always been very supportive of whatever I do. And, you know, I just, you know, told her, hey, it's more money. And, you know, it's only going to be for a short period of time. I thought Mm. it was only going to be for a few months. But it wound up being five, uh, six years. but, uh, you know, part of it was being able to, you know, explain to my friends, hey, I'm not a pornographer, I'm just doing stories on this world, and, uh, and try to explain to them why I was interested. Of course, everybody thinks, oh, you know, here's a guy, and here's a guy, you know, taking a job where he's going to be around porn sets, he just must want to be around naked girls all the time, and it's just a sexual thing on some level. But what was actually interesting about it was I actually, you know, got off more on the interviews than what I was seeing. You know, it was, it was fun to kind of get into the heads of, these people that are doing these things, and it wasn't just also, it wasn't just, um, you know, the porn world, it was also, um, you know, uh, BDSM clubs and, you know, dominatrixes and weird fetishes, and it was really exploration of other people's sexuality and a lot of things I knew nothing about, um, you know, it was just a whole new world out there, and this was back in 2000, 2001, when the book takes place, and it was really before what I call the pornification of America, I mean, Back then, Jenna Jameson wasn't really a household name yet. Uh, the Internet was just, you know, still pretty much in its infancy. I had just gotten a dial-up connection, you know, and I definitely didn't know where to find anything other than maybe a few pictures of Stephanie Seymour or something. But, uh, you know, I didn't, um, you know, to me, as I say in the book, uh, you know, uh, Gentleman's Inspiration was like the Sports Illustrated swimsuit uh, issue or a copy of you know, Victoria's Secret uh, lingerie catalog. You know, I knew nothing about, you know, where to find any kind of, uh, you know, real pornography. So it was, it was an education. For sure. You absolutely didn't know what you were stepping into. Not at all. I mean, yeah, that, fact, that's kind of the bottom line for when, this. When I went for the interview, for uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine that I met, had met at E, 
I was working over there freelance, and she told me about the job, and I, I knew it was more money, it was time to move on from E. But when I went and I heard Playboy TV, I thought it was going to be, you know, uh, smoking jackets, pajama parties, you know, uh, uh, you know, dry martinis and, and, and girls, uh, you know, spread out on haystacks and stuff. Not, you know, I, when I first watched the show, there was a story on uh, Bridget the Midget, uh, a porn star who, um, you know, was obviously a, a midget, and she, um, you know, the first shot in the piece was this guy walks into a, uh, motel and he's carrying a suitcase and he puts the suitcase up on the bed and unzips it and out pops Bridget. I'm like, oh my God, what's going on here? Uh, and then there was also a transsexual you know, named Vanity, a really sweet woman who I'd met subsequently. But, um, you know, I was just, I had no idea it was going to be this gritty and this, you know, you know how, how broad the show really was. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a shock. I wasn't sure if I could do it. And it's one of those things that you just kind of push yourself and you'll see you know, how you're going to do when you get in there. I mean, that was one of the questions my, when in the, I write about this in the book, that, you know, when I, that he liked my writing test. And so writing and on paper, I, my, my boss said, oh, yeah, you can do the job, but, you know, will you be able to do it when you actually get there, when you get in the game, so to speak? And, and I, didn't, I didn't know. It's very interesting because I, I opened the book and, you know, I, I actually started to read the book and then I went back to the front of it. And you actually dedicate the book to your mother. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the, uh, cause she was, uh, you know, she's a big part of my life, mm-hmm. and, um, um, sorry, someone's at the door here, hold on, um, but yeah, she's, yeah, will you get that for me, I'm sorry, Dr. Pat, um, yeah, she's a big part of my life, and she, um, we're very close, I mean, she and I left my father when he was, uh, when I was, sorry, 12, 13, right away, right before I went to prep school, and, you know, my dad was abusive to her, and all that kind of thing, as I, you know, the kind of cliche stuff you hear about, but that was certainly the, the case, and so we were very close, you know. Um, and so she, I read a lot of the book to her. You know, she helped me. She was sort of my first reader, helped out with punctuation and whatnot. Uh, she's a school teacher. Um, so, yeah. Definitely. Well, you know, that, that's, that's an amazing relationship. Yeah, you know, and so, you know, here we are, you know, talking about uh, what this was like for you. Definitely sitting down and writing the book, Embedded, Confessions of a TV Sex Journalist. Uh, you know, it has many, many threads to it. And I wanted to ask you, 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 you know, this is a book that talks about your journey, and we're going we're gonna to take folks on what that was like. But the, the question I want to ask, I mean, there's obviously a reason that you wanted to write this book. I mean, this is a bold statement, a bold memoir to write. And I wanted to ask you, you know, was this a healing process for you, or did you simply just want to get it out of your head? Well, a little, a little bit of both, and also a third thing, I, I you know, when I was, Doing, when I first took the job, to be honest, I thought, okay, this is a weird thing, and, and there's definitely a part of me that's sort of attracted to the, to the other and just kind of oddball experiences. And, you know, um, so when I took the job, I thought, you know what, I got a hunch that there's going to be a book in this. I think it's going to be weird. I should really keep a journal. So I started keeping a journal about it and you know, about how I was changing, what I was going through. And, um, and, and then as it kind of progressed, I start to see, you know, as I, as I didn't, as I saw that it wasn't just going to be what I was seeing, but it was also going to be what I was doing was sort of interesting too. Um, and who I was, you know, falling in love with and that sort of thing. Um, I thought, Hey, I think there is a book in here. It's not just, cause I didn't want a book to be just, Oh, here I went and here and did this and look at this weird thing I saw and look at this weird thing I saw and have not really go together. And I really wanted there to be an arc there. Um, and also, you know, side note, being an English major from Wesleyan, you know, I always wanted to write a book, you know, <laughs> for sure. And so it's always been a goal of mine. And, um, but, uh, so when I, as I saw that there really was a story here, I was like, geez, you know, I think, um, I should, I should get this out. And, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a healing process, but 
I definitely felt like, especially you know, as I went farther farther along, I went working for Playboy and getting more into the adult world, and, and having it been a while since I had worked in mainstream back at E. I felt like, well, a book would really validate this time um, because I know it means something to me, and I know it's important. And the things I've seen and, the, and all the experiences I've had, you know, over the time I produced over a hundred of these stories for Sexetera, so I, you know, I saw a lot, and um, you know, I had my own thoughts on it. And I think I've seen it in a way that other people haven't, and and because it has become, you know, as I said, the fortification of America is such a, it's, it's almost gotten mainstream in some ways, and we definitely, are, it's more on our public conscience that, that people would be interested in it. Um, and so I did want to get it out. I don't want to say it's healing, but more of a validating the experience and sort of, you know, packaging the experience, I guess, and kind of putting some order to it. And, you know, a lot of people ask me, why do you, why do you put so much of your own self into it? You know, my sexual experiences, my, my, um, my love, you know, my, my life, and, and kind of, it's, uh, you know, the, the one word that keeps coming back to me from people is honest. You know, it's a very honest book. Well, let's talk about that when we come back from break, yeah. because that's exactly my question. But, on, uh, you know, honestly speaking, I don't know how you could have written a book like this and not been as honest as you are. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Rossdale about the book Embedded and what does this mean? What has happened to our culture right now? You know, is it okay? You know, we're looking at Miley Cyrus right now. We're thinking, oh, my God, what did she do? I can't wait to ask Ross his opinion of that. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the show. The year 2012 and the great shift of the ages. The biggest story ever, and the clock's ticking. Tired of all the doomsday predictions? Jack Alice has written a blockbuster novel, Infinity's Flower, showing us a vision of the new world and the vital role we play in creating it. Find out how at www.infinitysflower.com. That's infinitysflower.com. Discover what the meaning behind sacred spiritual space is and how it can be a healing part of your garden or home environment. Mary Fox, registered nurse and landscape specialist, teaches about using nature, artifacts, healing energy, and angel readings to create sacred space. A spiritual garden offers methodologies that bring peace and healing to your special place. Call 508-339-5444 and visit aspiritualgarden.com. That's aspiritualgarden.com. Want to change your life in as little as 60 days guaranteed? And do you want to save money while doing it? Join the thousands of people who have already experienced the Phenomenal Memory online course that will change your life. Guaranteed. Having a phenomenal memory is not a gift. It is a skill. A skill that you can master in as little as 60 days. Just imagine how your life would change if you suddenly had the ability to memorize entire books. Listeners of the Dr. Pat Show save $75 on the e-course. So visit pmemory.net and download The Secrets of a Phenomenal Memory eBook and find out more about this special offer. That's pmemory.net, and that's a P as in phenomenal. pmemory.net. Stay informed. Sign up for the Dr. Pat Show weekly newsletter to find out about giveaways, extraordinary interviews, workshops, special events, and more. Go to thedrpatshow.com to sign up for the newsletter now. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. 
talk radio to thrive by. And, you know, I'm thrilled we're having this conversation. It's a little different than what I think you folks are normally used to from me during this hour, but it's an important conversation. You know, all you have to do is either pick up a magazine or, or, or turn around and look at what's on the Internet or look at what's on television. And it makes you wonder, are we living in a world that is so different than it was 10, 20, 30 years ago? Or is this the natural evolution? You know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and they shared a story with me. And I'm going to share that on air, but I want to make sure that, you know, all of you know that I'm speaking with Ross Dale. He is the author of the book, Embedded, Confessions of a TV Sex Journalist. And we're going to talk about what that is. You know, Ross, I want to ask you, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and, you know, they lived in France for years. And they said to me, I don't understand what the problem is over there. I mean, you know, you're, you've got this picture of, of you know, uh, Miley Cyrus, and, you know, everybody's making a big deal of it. And, you know, I've got to ask you, you have seen so much, Ross. I mean, you know, is there a line that we should not cross? Oh, well, um, as far as as far as far uh, our culture and what we put in magazines? Or yeah. As far as we did, well, I mean, I, I've got a lot of questions along these lines. Yeah. We can start out with the magazines. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think, I, think, I think it's a little, like this picture, probably right. If this picture of, uh, of Miley Cyrus was over in, in France, they probably wouldn't have bat an eye at it. Um, but, um, you know, I think here it might be, I mean, listen, there's also, the, it's a, I'm sure it's a calculated thing. I mean, these things don't, you know, it's all publicists, you know, pushing, and I'm sure, hey, it got her a lot of publicity one way or another, and it might be a little bit of a scandal, but it's not like, you know, it's not that pornographic. It's not that obscene, this picture. Uh, it's a little suggestive, uh, sure. But, I mean, remember, Jodie Foster at 13 was playing a prostitute and taxi driver, you know, and that's, um, and that, is that art or is that, of course, that's art. That's a Scorsese film, so that's right. it's okay. Um, but then I also just watched recently this great documentary out about the Roman Polanski case, mm. um, Desire Wanted or something. I can't remember the title, but it's really quite good. Um, you know, and I and he's here's somebody that, you know, um, that had sex with a uh, you know with a 13 year old girl. I believe she was 13, as I remember, and um, and gave her loots and, and booze. And for him, it wasn't, you know. And whereas he now he's in, I believe he. I know he went originally to to, to France, and not to say that the French are you know think that that's okay, but um, uh, you know it's. I don't know. I mean, it's tough to you got to put you got to draw a line somewhere. Yes, and I think just for legally speaking and things, so you have to say age of consent is 18. That's what we say it is. I wish you know for the adult films, I wish the age would get higher. I think it should be you know 21. Um, you know, like you, you can't have a beer, but you can you know be have sex in a porn film. I don't know, but um, that's a whole other thing. Uh, well, it is, but you know, this is part. You know, this and the re- I'm, you know, I'm not picking on Miley Cyrus. Sure. I'm actually picking on Billy Ray Cyrus. Okay, if you want to hear me talk about it. Because, you know, when we look at the whole Miley Cyrus thing, we then find out that Billy Ray, her dad, confirmed he wasn't even on the set. Okay. So, you know, let's put this in perspective, in, in, especially in the context of your book. Because, you know, let's put this in perspective. I don't know about you, Ross, but I would venture to say, given what you've learned and given what you've written in this book, you are not going to put your 15-year-old daughter no. in the hands of a publicist and definitely, as much as I love Annie Leibovitz, you definitely may not want to do that. Right. I mean, you know, artists are the first, I mean, you know, she's an artist. Artists are the first person to create their own morality and say, hey, it's okay to put a 13-year-old girl in that position. But, yeah, I mean, ultimately, that's the question, I think, Dr. Patrick. Where, where are the parents? Where is the parenting? You know, um, I mean, there's this funny Chris Rock bit about, you know, when he has his girl, he's like, I just got to keep baby off the pole, you know, and that's really what it, 
you know, you got to, you know, give some direction there and, and let them know, hey, you know, this might not seem appropriate. I'm sure the 13-year-old girl isn't thinking, oh, this is overtly sexual and I'm thinking having sexual thoughts. She's just, you know, thinking, I mean, she's just kind of wrapped up in the bed sheet. Uh, one funny thing on this, I was, before I came out here, I was in D.C. right after school and I was working as a teacher in a summer program for at-risk kids and they had a little talent show. And these girls were, you know, fifth through eighth graders, you know, so, the, you know, I call it a seventh grader for, uh, for sake of conversation. And they, you know, they played some like, you know, whatever was Madonna or Christina Aguilera song, and they're up there gyrating, doing these moves that they saw on MTV. They have no idea, you know, all these pelvis thrusts, what they really mean. They just think it's another dance step. And all the teachers are kind of like, ooh, you know, what do we do? Do we say, hey, that's not really an appropriate move? Is that really up to us? No, but, you know, it's a little weird <laughs> for sure, you know. Oh, exactly. Uh, and so, you know, part of this story is taking an, an in-depth look at you and your journey, Ross. I mean, I met, I briefly mentioned a few uh, things, and we've talked about what this was like for you to sort of get started and dedicate the book to your mom. Uh, you know, here you are now. You're you're sort of in a different place. And the question is, you know, what is it that you've learned along the way that, you know, helps us to, first of all, understand, you know, the transformation we've had in our own pop culture? And more importantly, are there lessons that we should know about? Um, wow. Well, I think, I mean, what have I learned? It's, you know, I, th- I don't know. I mean, it's tough to say. I mean, I, I think what I've seen is definitely as far as the pop culture thing. I mean, we've definitely, you know, in the past, you know, whatever, call it from 2000 on when I took the job, probably started a little bit earlier. But um, I mean, definitely with, you know, the rise of the Internet is really the, what I call the pornification of America. I mean, we have everything sex is selling, and it just, you know, keeps pushing the envelope, keeps pushing the envelope. Um, it's actually interesting. Another A girl who went to my... My class at Wesleyan wrote a book called Female Chauvinist Pigs, uh, Arielle Levy, which sort of talks about this sort of similar thing, women and the rise of raunch culture. She takes a slightly different you know, approach and has seen it from a different side of things that I have. But it's, um, I don't know, I mean, there's definitely been, uh, you know, where is it going to go? I mean, we're definitely like, you know, all the porn stars, it's like this porn chic thing that, you know, kids are wearing T-shirts with porn star on them, and, and uh, we're seeing a lot of, uh, a lot more navels. I used, I used to call it navel pop, you know, all the, uh, you can tell if it's navel pop if the album has a you know a girl with her navel showing on it on the front of it, which is you know, and that they're selling the the uh, you know the, mu- the their bodies are just as much important or not more important than the music. Um, and you know, I'm a Bob Dylan fan myself, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I mean, I can feel you right there with that. <laughs> you know, because I mean, what we're talking about here is you know, first of all, the book is absolutely a personal journey. There, there's just no question about that. You know, there, uh, there are some decisions that you made in your life, and you've openly shared them. Uh, is there anything that you have put in the book that you wish perhaps you hadn't put in? Um, not really, no. I think everything, um, you know, I, I mean, I really feel like to, 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 not put, to not put everything in there that I think was important for a, a story point of view. I mean, I don't think I put anything in there just to, to, for shock value. Right. Well. But to, to hold something back just seemed, didn't seem fair to myself, but also to the other people I'm writing about. Like, if I'm going to write about what I'm seeing, honestly, I feel like I need to, you know, full disclosure, if you will. You know, I need to um, put myself out, all out there too. And and also, I think by doing that, you gain that you gain, um, you know, um, something with the reader. The reader believes that you gain a trust with the, with the reader. They believe if you're if you're going to paint yourself this way, and you know, not hold anything back, then you're probably being honest with the other stuff as well. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you because you you can't possibly write a book like this given what your job was, uh, 
and, you know, kind of, you know, have things show up uh, that are less than representative and have people that are as educated as they are right now, very educated these days, the Internet, television, you name it, they have really, you know, we have closed the gap here between what our parents told us was reality and what is reality. Sure. I mean, you know, um, I mean, just... It's about the exposure to sexuality and, and not only what we see visually, but what, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I haven't seen the stats on this, but I think it's pretty safe to say, you know, with every generation, there's more sexual partners, there's more sexual activity. Um, you know, we're, uh, uh, you know, I just, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, our parents don't don't even really know. I mean, that you know, it's, everyone's doing, you know, it's getting younger and younger and um, people are more on their own and we, people are starting, are living farther away from their parents, lots of times at an earlier age and, um, you know, I think... Um, it's a whole new world. Yeah. It's a whole new world. And, you know, part of this is, um, you know, having a conversation with Ross. Uh, we're we're going to continue to talk about this when we come back from break. But I want to give everyone out there an opportunity uh, to let us know if you've got comments, if you've got questions, and like to talk with uh, Ross directly. 877-876-5227. 877-876-5227. And uh, we will be giving away a copy of this book. We'll take the first caller, and that will be our gift to you. Embedded Confessions of a TV Sex Journalist. And my very special guest is Ross Dale. Uh, For more information about Ross, about the book, and much more, you can go to the website, which is um, embeddedthebook.com, embeddedthebook.com. But also, you know, Ross uh, has a website of his own which is rossdale.net. So you can find out who is this guy? Who is this Rossdale? I mean, I look at I'm looking at your pictures, Ross. And I'm thinking, you know what? I would buy a used car from this guy. I have a feeling that's why you were so successful in the field that you're in. And we're going to take a short break when we come back. We're going to talk with Ross about what he's experienced, what he has uncovered, and would he do this all over again? We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. Stay tuned, everyone. Are you one of the millions of overweight people who haven't succeeded on low-fat or low-calorie diets? They're too hard, aren't they? To be successful, you have to change your mind about dieting. Get the sugar out, put fat back in, eat yourself thin. I'm Karen Bentley. My sugar-free miracle diet makes weight loss easy, inevitable, sustainable. Go to sugarfreemiracle.com. That's sugarfreemiracle.com. This is the solution you've been looking for. Find out how you can turn any obstacle to boost your life to the next level. Discover how you can overcome your fear with faith and courage to create amazing results. These strategies are taught by Julie Thong, a Cambodian genocide survivor. Julie is an inspirational speaker, entrepreneur, and author of Kantaya, My Courageous Quest for Love and Freedom, and The Power of Fear. Face everything and rejoice. Call 888-842-2008 or visit juliethong.com. Are you starting a new business, signing a contract, or launching a new website or business product? Certified business and personal astrologer Madeline Gerwin uses good timing to give you the ideal time to start your new business venture. Visit PolarisBusinessGuides.com or call 877-524-8300. Attain higher business success and better return on resources with good timing. Visit PolarisBusinessGuides.com. 
Do you want a better relationship to achieve outstanding business and career goals or to improve your health and fitness? You have the answers. All the power you need is within you. Personal transformation is about a solid foundation in the workings of the conscious and unconscious mind with a seminar or training that gets you high and keeps you there. Contact the Empowerment Partnership and unlock your hidden potential. Call 1-800-800-MIND or visit NLP.com. Whatever you think you are, you're more than Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by, you know, this is a great conversation to have. You know, you know if I were going to identify uh, anyone in the world that could talk to us about what has happened in our pop culture, why kids are so attracted to, you know, sort of this, you know, nude look that's going on there, why Miley Cyrus got, you know, the, the, the grief that she got, is it rightfully so? You know, who would I talk with? Well, you know, when Ross Dale decided to write his book, Embedded, Confessions of a TV Sex Journalist, one of the things that, you know, I knew was, uh, you know, how does this guy go from preppy to playboy? And how does this affect his life? How does this affect who he is and what is to come? As I mentioned before, we'd love to give you a copy of the book. And if you have questions, we have a toll-free number, 877-876. 5227-877-876-5227. You know, Ross, thank you for joining us here today. Thank you for having me. A big conversation. I was thinking to myself as I was getting ready to, for this interview today, I thought to myself, oh, my God, would I ever date this guy? <laughs> I mean, you know, would I be able to trust him? You know, given that, you know, here he is, he's known as, you know, this this media sex expert, you know, how difficult is it for you to get a date? Well, I tell you, it was, uh, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't date me. I wouldn't let my kid if I had one to date me, I don't think, either. But because <laughs> on, on paper, it sounds, you're right, it sounds horrible. I mean, um, I mean, uh, when I was doing the show, when I was working on it for those, you know, five years, six years I was with Playboy, I, it was definitely hard. I'd be at a party or something, and it'd be like, oh, so what do you do, you know? And I tell them, you know, I work for Playboy TV, and then there's a, and they kind of look a little, you know, they focus a little bit, and then what do you do for them? Oh, you know, I'm a producer for the show called Dust, etc. You know, and then they start, then they're a little more focused, like questioning, and you start to tell them, and they're like, "Oh, so you're you're in porn," you know, and you just see it flash across their eyes, and it actually winds up being a pretty good litmus test for, you know, how open-minded uh, young women might be. Um, you know, right away you find out, but and then I wind up, you know, explaining what I try to explain what I do because right away people think, "Oh, so you're directing porn films." I mean, um, you know, I, I have to say on my on my best days i'm a journalist covering the world of erotica and on my worst days i'm you know a porn director because it's definitely sometimes it it was up to me to kind of step in and tell people what to do for what i needed for the to illustrate the story but you know really i'm you know it's hard to explain somebody in five minutes or less exactly what you um you know do that i'm doing these stories on these people and that i'm not actually you know producing porn films i'm 
you know, producing stories on porn films. <laughs> well, what's interesting is I, I love that, you know, I looked over your resume and, you know, pulled a lot of information out. And right at the very end, I believe, it, you know, it says, that, you know, they refer to you by your last name. Yep. Dale lives in Hollywood, California. He is not a pornographer. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, that's really clear for us to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> that was something I added on there. Uh, and uh, I wanted to put that actually in the back of the book jacket because I thought it was funny, but my 76-year-old editor didn't, didn't agree. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it's true. You know, I sort of feel like I'm constantly, you know, I say what I have to do and then I sp- what I'm doing for a living, and then I spend the next, you know, part of the conversation um, you know, trying to back, backpedal and try to explain and try to apologize for what I'm doing, and you know, really, I don't feel like I'm doing anything wrong. But I certainly understand. You know, a lot of pe- a lot of women are certainly intimidated by, you know, the um, by the porn. You know, I mean, it's they think I'm, you know, filthy or dirty or tainted somehow from being around it, and also um, just to, as a partner or whatever. But also as they also feel like it's a negative. It's not so good for society that there's these 18 year old girls selling themselves on 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 film, which I I dig that. You know, I, I totally understand that that thought, and I, you know, I'm definitely am a little. You know, I wouldn't want my daughter doing it. You know, exactly. Well, you know what I love about the way that you're showing up is, you know, you get to talk about your life. Some things I'm sure you're proud of, and some things you you think, well, you know, if I could rewrite the script, maybe I'd do it differently. You know, I remember someone talking about, um, you know, Christina Aguilera. We actually gave Christina Aguilera an award when she came out with her CD stripped. If you actually look at her bio, you'll see us in there. And, you know, we gave her this award, and and I did an entire show on it. And my listeners said to me, are you, like, out of your mind? Why did you give this woman? And I said, here's why. Almost every song except one was written by Christina Aguilera. Right. And the songs are about empowerment. And this is her personal journey. She contributes a bundle to abuse against women. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, you know, what are we looking at? Are we looking at Christina Aguilera and who we think she is, or are we looking beyond that? And those are questions that I think all of us look at. All right. of us considered, Ross, when we look at pornography. I mean, you know, do I support pornography? No. You know, it's not something that I look at and say, this is something that I would show my daughter. Do I believe we need to be better educated about sex in this country? Absolutely. Right. I think um, uh, a couple things on that. You know, I think, um, I mean, first of all, it should definitely exist. You know, I'm, I'm definitely pro, you know, freedom of expression, uh, you know, speech and all that. We should definitely exist, and it shouldn't be, you know, legal by any means. I wouldn't mind the age being up a little higher. Because I, I feel like in a lot well, of ways... Well, that's the part that bothers me. Yeah, you know, it's like they're 18 and, you know, they can you can go off to war, you can go make a porn film, but you can't have a drink, you know, and it just, um, it's just, um, it's rough. I think it's a, you know, it's a, uh, it's like that, you know, a drunken tattoo or something, you know. It's exactly. Like they're, they're not really, they don't really have, kids that age don't have the, um, you know, the, the wisdom to, to decide that because it is really a lifetime. It's, a, it's very much like the old Indian thing where, you t- you know, you take a picture of an Indian and they feel that, you know, it takes your soul, you know, way, and I think, and some level it certainly does, and, and once it's out there, it's out there, you know, you're, you, that's online, it's out there, you're not getting it back, um, and it's something that you're going to have with you, and and for some people it's good, I mean, I've seen it, you know, I've seen girls get into it, you know, and it be very empowering, especially in the beginning, they're making money, and, um, you know, they kind of get their lives together, but then it's like this uh, diminishing returns, I mean, it quickly, and it's this nice honeymoon stage where everything's good, but then they starts to wear on them, and then they're 
they descend, you know. And if you don't get off the ride at the right time, you know, it's a bummer. And um, but some people that you know ride it to the top and are able to, you know, I mean, like for you know, but those people that like the success stories are very few. I mean, can you think of considering how many different, how many hundreds of thousands of girls are into this? But um, exactly. And you know, so this is you know part of what you know I loved about what you wrote was how absolutely true and raw your experience was. And, you know, and, and, you know, what you had to move beyond the stigma and, you know, the fact that, you know, we, we talked about your mother and, you know, the support of this. I mean, this has been a life's journey for you. Yeah, I mean, and one last thing on the, if I may, on, the, sure. on the, the career, the porn girls, it's like, it's almost like the, I mean, you know, this sounds silly to say, but it's almost like the ultimate fast food career in a way. It's mm-hmm. like these girls, you know, they don't go to college, they get, and, you know, lots of, obviously they're coming from tough economic situations where that's not always an option, but... Um, you know, rather than, you know, take the time and get through a career, you know, they're just quickly going in for the quick money and I'm going to make a quick buck and then I'm going to take all, you know, I hear these stories, I'm going to take the money I make from this over a couple of years and then I'm going to go into school or do something with it, but they never really do. And I mean, you got to, you know, a lot of props for the people like one of the characters who I have a ton of respect for in the book, uh, Kira Reed, the woman who I, you know, ultimately fell in love with in the book. Um, she, you know, she was a stripper, uh, first and stripped her way through, um, College. She was a UCLA theater, uh, you know, major and graduate, um, and that's you know that's what you like to see. I mean, that's like great when they use that, you know, because then you go back to the whole thing: who's exploiting who? You know, I mean, they're you know she's making a you know basically all these sweaty guys at strip clubs put her put her through college. You know, um, so I mean that's something you like to see, and uh, she was able to you know not go into all the hardcore pornography, but. Um, Anyway, that's just a... Well, you know, what you're talking about is sort of the... And I'm going to talk about it because these are the things that I think that we see in our pop culture. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, part of the backlash that I received and Christina Aguilera, and and I'm not picking on Christina. Great voice, by the way. Great voice, yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. You know, but, you know, she was okay until she did the video dirty. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and once she did that video, and I believe that she released dirty as one of the first... Um, uh, tracks off of that CD, uh, the wrath of most people came down on her. And so, you know, the question is, uh, you know, 18, is that an age? Are we smart enough? And I love what you said about it because you may have hopes of going in and getting out, but honestly, you know, if that's your, your, your stream of income, there are many women that are trapped in those positions. Yeah, and I was even prey to it, too. I mean, you know, in a much smaller and, and less, um, you know, the stakes were much lower level, but I, you know, I, I went thought when I first took that job, I'd be there for the season, you know, for like nine months or something right. and, and be done, but, you know, they, then it was like, oh, here's a raise, you know, here's this, and then there's always some reason to come back, you know, oh, there's another trip to Amsterdam coming, you know, I love the travel, so I was always a sucker to that, I got to go all over the world for it, and that's one of the reasons I kept coming back, or here's a little more money, oh, they let, I was a host for a season and a half, so that was a new experience for me, I was like, oh, I'll do that, you know, there's always some reason to come back, um, and, you know, in, in Hollywood, it's tough. I mean, it's tough to get a staff job out here, so to have that, that you know, job security, certainly. But, you know, these are all rationalizations. If I wanted to get out, I, you know, would have pushed myself to get out, but um, but for sure, you know. Well, so, you know, let's talk about, you know, your journey. I mean, definitely, you know, we have the story of you falling in love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I kind of teased that earlier by saying, you know, how does this guy, Ross Dale, given the job he has, I mean, how, how does Ross find a date? Well, and that was the, you know, the, the, the I, I was, when I, I fell in love with one of the hosts of the show, and, mm-hmm. you know, we were traveling all around in those exotic locations, Amsterdam and Prague, and, you know, it was hard not to fall in love. She was absolutely gorgeous, and, 
and smart and fun and cool, and we just saw eye to eye on a lot of things. So, but you know, the unfortunate thing was she was married. Um, so, um, but so we had this affair on the road, and then it kind of, you know, slowly it, was, it went from just the sex to actually feeling a lot and feeling like, you know, I was in love with her. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, there's definitely a period where I mean, the book cuts short, you know, what actually happened because it was the right time to end it, and it seemed right. But definitely, there was a time when, you know. Um, you know, I thought I was going to marry her, you know, um, yep. and um, which, you know, happened after the book, but mm-hmm. um, a sequel, no. <laughs> yeah, there um, we go. But, uh, but to answer your question, it was lucky. I was, it was good that for a good chunk of the time when I was um, doing the job over those five, six years, um, you know, I was with her, so, you know, I didn't have to worry about getting a date because so I, you know, I was with her, you know. Um, but definitely, like, you know, when, I, when we broke up, you know, it was definitely... Um, yeah, I mean, you got to talk your way through this. So, and so that was a, it was a, such a, a great feeling when I actually left Playboy in the beginning. Of, I guess 2007, I guess it was, and eventually went back to E uh, Entertainment Television. I could say, hey, I'm producing a show for E. Much better look on the girl's face, you know, than <laughs> I was. Much uh, better. Yeah. <laughs> much better. But you know, now you've written the book, so. <laughs> right. right. Don't, don't read the book. <laughs> don't, don't read. <laughs> don't read the book. Oh, there we go. You know, look, I'm working for E now, but, you know, that's just not me, that Rossdale. Yeah. The book we're referring to, everyone, is Embedded Confessions of a TV Sex Journalist. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk to uh, Ross about the relationship between sex and spirituality. Is there one? You know, what has been his journey about this? And much more right here on The Dr. Pat Show. For more information about us, check us out, www.thedrpatshow.com. This interview will be in the archive if you've missed any portion of it. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Are the magic and mysteries of Egypt calling you? Picture yourself meditating inside the Great Pyramid, relaxing on a Nile cruise and exploring the sacred temples. For travel that transforms and rejuvenates you, Join Dr. Friedemann Schaub and Danielle Rama Hoffman for a spiritual and healing journey to Egypt in October. Call for information at 866-903-6463 or visit EgyptIsCalling.com. That's EgyptIsCalling.com. From a place of special energy, the Sedona tools are specially crafted to work with the disruptive emotional energies of traumatic experience. You can release and resolve the past, move gracefully through the present, and attract the future you wish with power that's already yours, your intent, and creative visualization. Now work with the right tools. Visit thesedonatools.com. Are you taking too many oral pain pills and concerned about side effects? Are you having trouble getting to sleep because of the pain? I'm Lou Paradise. I had the same problems you have. Cured my pain, eliminated pain pills and their side effects by developing Topperson Pain Relief and Healing Cream. Topperson relieves pain without side effects. It doesn't burn, it doesn't smell, and it doesn't stain. But don't just take my word for it. Doctors, pharmacists, and pain specialists are using and recommending Topperson and ending the suffering for thousands of people just like you. We know you hurt. We want to help. We are so sure that Topperson will work for you. We offer a money-back guarantee. So if you want pain relief without side effects, just ask for Topperson. Topperson is now available at Fred Meyer, Natural Food, and other fine stores. Go to Topperson.com for a store near you or call 1-800-959-1007. Topperson.com or 1-800-959-1007. Topperson, the last pain medicine you'll ever need. 
back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. You know, I'm thrilled that I've been able to have this conversation with Ross Dale. You know, it takes pretty much a courageous act to sit down and and open up your soul and and really talk about a part of your life that was your experience and, you know, how one goes through that. And I will say that when you look at the book embedded and you sit down and you read it, um, you're really, it should say, True Confessions of a TV Sex Journalist. That should, be the, that should be the subtitle on the book because, you know, that's basically what you're doing, Ross. I mean, you pretty much, you know, come through and told some, you know, very graphic uh, stories at some point in time. But mostly, you know, this is a part of your life. And, I, and one would think, and this is what happens sometimes in our society, they think, you know, what is a guy like this? I mean, you know, he must not have a spiritual foundation and a spiritual base. I mean, you know, look at what he's doing. I mean, so when you look at all of this and what you had to go against, now you've got this this aspect of who you are that also comes into question. Right. I mean, uh, I mean, so you're asking about my spirituality. Um, I mean, I, I haven't. I'm not, I'm not so much of a you know churchgoer type, but I certainly um, have something that I you know try to hold myself to. I mean, there's a, a Dylan line I quote in the book. You know, to live outside the law, you must be honest. I think you just have, as long as you keep a good heart about things. I mean, you can sometimes bend the rules. I mean, certainly, you know, this book is a big part of this book is an affair, which is you know, uh, pretty sure it's one of the Ten Commandments, uh, which I've broken. And um, you know, so uh, yes. Certainly, the, the the reader would think, you know, certainly on paper they would think that uh, if they read a synopsis of the book that I'm not very spiritually centered. Um, but at the same time, I also, you know, I, I have an excellent relationship with my mother. <laughs> and, uh, I think um, I, uh, you know, I think I'm a good person overall, um, and I certainly have, um, you know, I believe we're all interconnected, and I believe in, you know, the cliche of good karma, you know, and all that kind of thing. Um, you know, I certainly never. Um, you know, hurt anybody on purpose, but mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But, you know, I think, but back to the question of, you know, sexuality and spirituality, I think, um, you know, they can very much be intertwined. I mean, I think, you know, there's certainly, you know, I guess, you know, spirituality is a big word, and we, you know, depending on how we, we're, what we're exactly we're talking about for spirituality, but certainly, like, the spiritual connections of, of um, you know, of lovers, friends and lovers, I mean, that, you know, sex is obviously a huge part of that, and, um, you know, and also it's, you know, how we deal with our sexuality is, is a part of our spirituality. I mean, it's got to be, you know, it's all interconnected. I think the big problem, you know, in this culture is, um, you know, people hear spirituality and they think, oh, morality, that somehow, and sex is, is too intertwined with, with morality. You know, I think um, the two are, really have nothing, um, you know, if you're doing it right, <laughs> they don't have anything to do with each other. Um, but, um, you know, that's one of the old, you know, the expressions uh, from the BDSM community, you know, as long as it's safe, sane, and consensual, it's all good, you know. Um, but, so I don't know if that answers your question. But well, yeah. you know, and that, that's the conversation. I mean, you know, there's a lot we can learn uh, from uh, from many, many different people. Certainly, you know, for me, uh, you know, we we look at our lives and we and we look at the road we take. And, you know, we look back and we say, did I act in integrity? You know, who am I? What do right. I stand for? It's really clear when you read the book. We know who Ross Dale is. Right. And I think that's an interesting point. You're, I think you're sort of touching on there, too, that, mm-hmm. you know, we are, it's one thing to say, hey, I'm a moral person, and I, and I stand for this, and I stand for this. But really, that's, you know, it doesn't mean much. You know, it's all about what you do, you know, and your actions. And, you know, um, there's this other fun deal of mine that I, was, I didn't put in the book, was going to, but, uh, 
you know, people don't do what they believe in, they just do what's most convenient, and then they repent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, That's right. I think it's very interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, so you're right. I'd rather have someone read the book and judge my morale, my spirituality than just, you know, read the synopsis and then, you know. Well, anyway. exactly. But here you are now, and you're no longer with Playboy. Right. So let's just be clear about that. And so one would think, okay, now here's a guy, can't get a girlfriend, and, you know, and, and now he, he's moved away from, you know, which was, a, you know, a, a great career in what you were doing. And so how, where are you now? I mean, are you, are you at a place where Hollywood is looking at you because you, you absolutely, with that question, made your mark? Well, and so here you are. So what is happening in Hollywood? Uh, are you being approached? Yeah, well, it's funny. I, mean, I guess I'll take a step back. I mean, it's like when I was in the middle of Playboy, when I was in a couple years in, like some of my friends were saying, hey, you better not stay too long over there because, you know, every step forward it's two steps back and you got to get, you know, it's going to be harder to get back into mainstream even though you're not, you know, a pornographer per se, that Playboy TV on your resume, you know, you need to get a mainstream credit at the top. So, but... And then, so I was a little worried, but then, like, I kept, you know, there's always a reason to stay. So, and then, um, but then, I, and last October, um, I get a call from some of my old e-friends that are still still there, and they, they're inviting me back. They want me to come back because they had a 12 Sexiest Vegas job show that, um, 12 Sexiest Vegas jobs um, that they wanted produced, and they wanted to be um, sexy. So they're, who did they know? They knew I was doing sexy programming, and they figured I'd be the right man for the job. Um and I, I'm, you know, I'm not ashamed to say I was. You know, the show did a great rating. It, it uh, premiered January 12th uh, this year, and it's been re-airing. It was on the other day, and you know, probably more than anything I've ever done. Uh, uh, more people have seen that than any other thing I've probably ever done. And right now, I just finished um, today. I just delivered um, 12 sexiest um, wet and wild jobs, which is another hour-long special for E, um, sort of a sequel, or um, and it's. Um, a great show. We got a Hooters bikini car wash in there, and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, and that's uh, going to air July fourth at nine p.m. I believe. You know, so here you are. You know, probably amazed at how your life is sort of unfolding right in front of you. I mean, there's no question about it. You know, you could not have been thinking this when no. you signed up for college. Okay. Right. I mean, you know, clearly, you know, you attended a, a college that. You know, I, I don't want to say conservative, but definitely not in the direction that you you moved into. Well, it was very, you know, we it was we used to call it, it was a joke. It was like PCU. In fact, the film PCU, politically correct university, was um, was written by a couple of Westland graduates, and the opening montage of the film is actually shot at Westland. <laughs> um, so it's, um, I mean, it was very politically, you know. In fact, I was skimming, uh, uh, I mentioned Arielle Levy's book, uh, my classmate of mine, and she actually makes almost a similar statement that I had in my book that took me like, you know, several years after graduation to, to feel comfortable calling women, you know, girls occasionally and not women spelled with a Y, you know. So I mean, they really ingrained that into you, which is good. I mean, I'm so glad I had that, you know, in me because, you know, it's important to, to, to understand, you know, that part of the world and everything and those issues. Um, and then Groton, of course, was a very um, conservative oh, yeah. uh, prep school. You know, it's one of those old New England, you know, FDR went there. And, oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's very um, conservative. So it's sort of, it was sort of funny. Back then, which is sort of a, a thing that sort of extended in my life, I realized that when I was at Groton, I had, you know, long hair. I was like the hippie. I was like on the left side of things for sure, you know. Um, and then when I went to um, Westland, 
I sort of was, which is very liberal, kind of leftist kind of school with a um, very progressive, but I was sort of more conservative. Like I was in a fraternity there where normally I wouldn't think of myself as a frat guy, but, you know, I joined one almost because, I don't know, not, not, not purposely to be different, but it was made sense at the time, and it wasn't like a the fraternities at Westland are very different than, say, the fraternities at Duke, say, you know, very different. But, um, anyway, so... Um, well, it, it's part Duke of a culture, and what's interesting is... You know, I think that that blend of culture shows up in not only in your writing, but I would imagine showed up in, 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 you know, who you are. I mean, definitely there is humor in the book. That's something that you bring in and, and beyond. So, you know, you know, as we sort of look at this and, and wrap up, Ross, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to ask you, uh, and when you look back on your life right now and you take a look at your future and where you're going, you know, are, are you in a place to be surprised, or are you kind of hoping that things sort of work out kind of, you know, evenly, uh, sort of predictable? <laughs> yeah, I don't really, I, I guess I sort of hate predictable, I guess. Um, <laughs> I think, I, I, and I think I probably purposely put myself in situations that won't be predictable. You know, I, I um, you know, that was what attracted me to this job more than anything. It was the adventure of it, you know. The, I mean, that's what I like about TV, too. It's like, you know, I get to be in rooms that, you know, I get to travel around, get to be in rooms and spaces and backstage at places that not everybody gets to go, and um, and I love it, you know. I, you know, I just, one of the jobs that we just did for the, this Wet n' Wild job was uh, Cirque du Soleil's Oh, you know, in, in Vegas, and I, you know, I love being back there and talking to all the guys backstage and seeing them without their makeup on. I mean, just that little stuff is just, you know, I really get off on, you know, just so much fun, and um, just seeing the world that way is, and getting paid to do it, it's... Um, you know, I love it. So I think predictable, no. I don't think there's going to be anything predictable, um, you know, anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to take a minute and thank you, Ross, for joining us here today. I mean, this is, uh, for you, uh, definitely is an opening to uh, who you really are and what really goes on. And, you know, I love the fact that you're not glorifying or you're making the the work that goes out there any more than it is. But I also love your stand on having 18-year-olds involved. I mean, I definitely am on the same page as you, and I want to thank you for joining me here tonight. Thanks for having me, Dr. Pat. You're welcome. Uh, Ross Dale joined us here. If you want to find out more about the book, check it out, embeddedthebook.com. If you want to find out more about the Dr. Pat Show and some of the things we've got going on, you can go visit us at www.thedrpatshow.com. Until next week, make sure you step out into the world and step out in courage. Speak the truth and know that you are loved. We'll see you right back here next week with the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Touch the sky